Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That this was my chance. You came not with my best friend Jim. And here I am. Well, good evening, Laguna Beach. It is Thursday night, 8 o'clock, and you're listening to Laguna Talks. Can you hear me? Okay, I can't hear myself because my headphones aren't working right, but this is your host, Billy Freed. Oh, that's better. I can hear myself now. Uh, and we're in the last throes of our city council candidate interviews. We saved the best for last, perhaps, with Michelle Hall. Hang on. Hi, Michelle. Now, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. I hear you real good. Thank you, Billy. But we're listening to Dr. John's, and he's singing a very appropriate night song. Such a night. Such a night. Living in Laguna. Beautiful sunset. It's warm outside. You know, we just are so fortunate to live here. It's unbelievable. The water's still warm. You were in it, what, you told me yesterday. And how did it make you feel? Amazing, sensational, reinvigorated. It's exactly what I needed. Talk about it. Indeed. You know, I was saying earlier that uh, whenever I get a little addled over the traffic or the intensity of living in our town sometimes and you know it's a busy place hardly have time to have some mindfulness and some stillness mm-hmm. but boy you get in that big blue mm-hmm. and it just opens up portals especially after a hot from yoga class like is what i did yesterday <laughs> yeah so you find time i understand that in even in the midst of this fiercely competitive campaign you still teach yoga i still teach yoga um about two days a week right now, um, though I'm rescheduling my class for tomorrow again. I'm supposed to teach 4.30, but, you know, um, this is my priority, and my studio owner understands, and she's supporting me 100%, so, you know, we're down to the crunch time. and um, More importantly, are you finding time for yourself? That's the hard part, but yes, if I don't have time to go do a class of yoga, I will go out and do the hill. I live up in Arch Beach Heights, so I... I like to go down Alta Vista, run Glenary to Thalia, 
Upthalia, across Temple Hills and oh, up Hold on, hold on. Do you do this all by foot? You start in Arch Beach Heights, mm -hmm. you run down Alta Vista mm -hmm. to Glen Airy, over to... Thalia. Thalia. Upthalia to Temple Terrace, and up around and Bluebird Park, and then back up the hill on Summit. Across, oh, you go up Summit. Mm -hmm. Very dangerous to, to run on Summit, isn't it? No, actually, there's a pretty wide uh, lane, you know, I... I cross from Bluebird back. when you turn mm -hmm. right on Bluebird up Summit. Well, that one little part, but yeah. then once you get past the three-way stop sign, there's and then that little section, there's a right, good and you run up that hill. Well, I walk. Okay, let's I run on the flat part. Yeah, don't John Madison me. Yeah, <laughs> and my Sorry. little wiener dog goes with me everywhere. Oscar Meyer, he's in my picture. So. Oh, so I know cute. he's a stud. You should well, that's, see him. That's quite a run. You really that's that's impressive because. Um, I can't even bicycle up that hill. I, I live in Arch Beach Heights, and uh, I struggle. I didn't know you were my neighbor. Yep. Yeah, I would yeah. say my street, but then I, I would afra I'm afraid we, I would get... I know. don't want to say that. I've yeah. already had an issue no. with someone calling me. Yeah, so how um, is it on the campaign trail? This is a relative new thing for you, or completely new, is you it You know, not? I have... It's been more wonderful, more terrible, more awesome, more crazy, everything all wrapped up into one thing. But the process itself... Um, the most wonderful thing has been the people I've gotten to meet, especially the artists. The artists are just this phenomenal group of people that have passion, who love the city, who love what they do. And even though I've, you know, I've purchased art in the past and I have several artists hanging in my house, they're not the artists themselves, the painting. <laughs> um, you know, I just have never really been a part of that culture. You, you so never much. bagged an artist? No, I've never actually. <laughs> I don't have any dead artists hanging on my. George on my, Dubin on would my look walls. good, I think, embalmed George, against the wall. He's a good friend. He's of so mine. handsome too. I know, and, and he's, he's debonair. so amazingly talented. It's, I don't know about that. I, I think so. Yeah, he's a pretty good drummer. <laughs> yeah, he's a good drummer too. Yep. So people like George and Lewis mm -hmm. and Michael Obermeyer and other artists that I've gotten to know more through this process. Um, you know, I've gotten to hang out with Lewis and have a few canyon mules down at his place down there. And What's a canyon mule? Oh, it's awesome. It is. Does it um, involve alcohol? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but you can have a non-alcoholic one. But the one I like has uh, ginger beer, and then he either puts uh, vodka or tequila, depending on. Does he invite the homeless? Um, no, it was just a small group okay. of us that day. Sensitive. <laughs> I didn't know if it was a block party. No. It's a it's a canyon joke. I was down there to walk the property and you know look at um, what he's doing, and I think it's amazing. It's pretty good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yep. He and he had support of all of his fellow artists, and we all know to keep this town great for the arts, you've got to make room for a new generation. Yeah. Yep. It's very. Generous. What about the neighbors, though? I mean, let's let's get into the meat of it. You what know, about what about the uh, homeless shelter and the proposed well, I um, permanent housing. One thing I like to pride myself on is, and you know, being kind of. The, a, a newer candidate, um, you know, I have a strong educational background, and I do my homework. So um, wait, wait, wait. Have, has anybody vetted you, by the way? Do we know that you actually graduated from Berkeley? I, I think people have actually looked it up and found it to be true. I would think in this town, if it wasn't true, we'd have heard I'm it by now. I'm pretty sure by now. Yes, um, indeed. In this I, election I season, in particular, I have a picture of my diploma on my phone if you want to see it. But um, oh, do you, do you have to whip that out every now and again? Just I to, always say that, you, but no one actually cred? tests me. They don't Let actually like it. to see. <laughs> um, but so part, and part of doing my homework is meeting with people, you know, groups, whoever it is that I'm, you know, if I'm going to speak before. And we had a Canyon, the Can Do Alliance Forum a couple weeks ago. And Can Do stands for? 
the Canyon Alliance of Neighborhood something organizations. What does the D stand for? The neighborhood district organizations. It's the Canyon uh, neighborhoods. Okay. And Penny Milne it, is it's the, the people that are protective of the Canyon's um, character and charm. The rural character, small scale development is yeah. their big thing. And so I contacted Penny and asked if she would give me a tour of the Canyon. And even though I've grown up here, I hadn't walked certain neighborhoods. I hadn't actually been and you know, walked through the neighborhoods. So she was so kind and put together a tour of all the different neighborhoods and had residents from each neighborhood meet me and walk me through and show me what they love and, you know, want to keep about the, the canyon. So we spent a good three hours walking the neighborhoods and um, it was very educational and I, I totally get their perspective. You know, the canyon's become this dumping ground and um, so the permanent housing, yay, nay, does it belong there? I'm, does I'm it not. belong anywhere in Laguna? You know, my th what I think we need to do is reach out to other cities and make this more of a county-wide issue, have a county-wide task force. I don't know if Newport would want to do that since they like to send us the homeless from where they are. Right. But, um, so, and realistically... But, just but reach out to other cities because, you know, we have... We have a huge problem, and it's and it's tragic that in this country where we send billions of dollars to other countries, that we have people walking around the streets who really need help. But there, you know, there's I, I think there's two different there's different categories of the homeless, and um, I know that most of the people in the canyon don't want to have. What a, are the two categories? I think there's the mentally disabled who really need help, and then there's you know the opportunistic homeless who live off in some kind of a government check, tra travel up and down the state. Um, I'd I like see to a lot of... I'd like to respectfully add a third category, mm -hmm. and that is people who are sane, not mm -hmm. criminal, and not mentally ill, but are simply down on their luck and maybe lost that job that they can't replace. The difference between them and us is if that happened to you or me, I'm pretty sure we'd have a friend or a family member yeah. that would house us. But these people are normal mm -hmm. and they just have no other place to go and um would you agree with that yeah i would totally agree with yeah. that so i mean uh, too often we, we put them in a box of mentally ill yeah. or, or criminals gaming the system and, and it's, there's it's people that live in their cars we, that are in that and, we, category, and where do you, you know? and where do you put returning veterans in those two boxes the ones with P ptsd right so that's a fourth category it's a huge it's huge it's, a, it's so it's more you know I, I i can't really i shouldn't categorize in two different you know, separate boxes, but um, it's a big problem. I mean, I, I walked around, I met with the Chamber of Commerce, um, the Executive Director, Christine, before we had the Chamber Forum. And, and I walked around downtown and I talked to the merchants and I said, you know, what is it the city's doing well and what is it that, you know, you think could improve? I really thought a lot of the merchants were going to say parking, traffic, I would say 75% of them said the homeless are their biggest, mm -hmm. is the biggest concern right now. That yeah. they're, you know, becoming more aggressive and they're sleeping in their doorways and, you know, that they've talked to the police about this and the police say, you know, unless they actually do something where they physically try and attack you, there's nothing we can do if they come in your shop. And so... Um, yep, and, you know, we, we've heard Mark Christie's testimony about how it's affecting his employees. They, they walk out of their stores and they're, you know, they're afraid to go mm -hmm. out by themselves because they get harassed. <clears throat> so what's, 
What is the idea? Do you have? I mean, it's complicated. Do you? It's what, very complicated. I'm not, do you I'm have a solution? I, I, no, I don't have a solution because I think this is something that really. And I, I hate to a say a politician this, without a solution. Study How it. I hate to say study it because we you know we study. We have a lot of different committees and we're studying a lot of different things. But I really believe that we need to reach out to other cities and and form a multi-city task force and work on this. Right. Um, but but let me I, say know, this. I, I've spoken to Jason Ferris. I, I spent an hour and a half talking to him on Saturday about this and. That's what um, he wants to see happen. Yeah, he does. He thinks that's a good idea. Um, but realistically, we have a problem here right now. Yeah, that's our responsibility, and the idea that we're going to shoulder it off to some indifferent cities that don't that want to sweep them under the rug, and and not be Laguna Beach, not be the people with compassion. Um, it sounds good. Let's get them all to work together. But realistically, we're going to probably have to do it ourselves, and we'll sleep better at night knowing we've done it. I just, I, I think the numbers have gotten so large that, you know, I've heard people say, you know, I know um, Councilmember Eisman thought that maybe a sleeping facility out in the canyon 40 was too big, but maybe something smaller. I don't think 40's big enough. I mean, I think the problem has gotten so big, but I don't think building it in the canyon is the right place. And there's not really another place. And there's not really another town. place. So, you know, what are we doing with the Great Park? How can we can we get something built out there? It seems, you know, besides thousands of homes, um, I think that you know a facility, talks. you know, should be next to if it's possible some kind of medical, you know, a, a hospital, mm -hmm. VA hospital, possibly for because a lot of these people need help. But part of the problem I have with the one that they've proposed is that it's not a sober living facility. It's and not a sober living. No. And then, you know, it's not a requirement that you have to be. Really? And I volunteered at. People can go there homeless and they can drink. As much the as they one, want. The proposed housing. The, for, the 40 that are selected. The proposed housing facility that right. they're proposing to build. It's not, it's the, um, it's not what they've said. That, that the, the program is what they believe once you get in there, then you'll start taking your medication and then you'll, you know, be on your way to sobriety. But it's not a requirement. Interesting. And that's one of the things I think that the residents are have a problem with because they already have a lot of problems with, you know. The sure. I'm very surprised to hear that. You know, um. I don't know if you saw the 60 Minutes report, but there has been a tremendous success in remediating homeless people through these kinds of programs. In some big cities, they've had actual landlords donate apartments in normal buildings mm -hmm. to house these homeless. And they have, you know, the, the, the recovery rate is, is very, very impressive. So well, I, I think the I people at the Friendship Shelter know what they're doing. I have I volunteered at the Friendship Shelter for years through my church, and I saw I mean it's it, miracles happen. Yeah. You know? And in fact, um, I just ran into a friend of mine that I met at the Friendship Shelter that um, was living in Mile Square Park for years and had no family. No one no one wanted to have anything to do with him, and um, he got sober and he was on he had been on meth and other things and got into the Friendship Shelter. And it's really amazing to watch people's, the, the way that they, you know, they start, they can barely, I mean, really, a lot of them can barely even form a sentence because their brains are so foggy from being on drugs and alcohol for so long. And then, you know, I would come in every month, and, you know, the first Monday of every month, and I would cook lasagna for them. And, and um, you know, steadily every month you could see their, uh, the, the way that the progress was taking place. And then, you know, his name was Vince, and... Um, Eventually got 
moved down to the San Clemente housing and I literally just saw him last week at church and he's still, he said now he's on the other side where he's a guidance counselor for homeless people, people that are on the streets in San Clemente. He said, Michelle, it's amazing that I'm not now on the other side of that, you know, yep. helping people. And he um, has a job working um, at the convention center building uh, sets and things for the conventions and he's doing great, you know, and I had him at my house for uh, Thanksgiving dinner two years ago. I mean, he's so I've seen and I've had firsthand experience with these people. I mean, there's another lady that I got to be friends with that um, she was working in one of the markets because the markets are really good about helping them, you know, get back into mm -hmm. reemerge into the workforce. And and she, I ran into her at Walmart um, a couple months ago and she's just, you know, she's doing great. She's got her 401k plan going from Walmart. You know, she's living in an apartment and you know when she first got admitted she'd been abused her, you know her was living with a boyfriend who was beating her up she was on all so kinds you, of so stuff so you so you're you're compassionate and you you see that these these things can help place yeah. people back into society but no place in laguna for it i just you know I, I we have to work with the neighborhood i mean if you think about how controversial lewis's project was mm -hmm. right <laughs> you know absolutely um, so and that's that's an artist work live project where you know we're supposed to be an artist colony good point and so so what drives you michelle why are you doing this that's a good question um you know i grew up in this town and i i've always tried to volunteer whatever things i can do um, i used to work in politics that was my job when i first got out of uh, college what'd you do i worked for a political consulting firm in l.a and then um, my boss, Lynn Wessel, who he helped get Measure M, some other big, the highway transportation, but other big things, uh, went in for back surgery, got a staph infection, and he died. So um, I was offered other positions, and one of the jobs that I was offered was to be executive director of United Laguna, which was back here in Laguna. And I happily accepted that because I didn't really like living up in L.A. Um, what is United Laguna? United Laguna was a nonprofit organization that um, was made up of, all kinds of, we had a board of directors that were realtors and business people and they Was were, it a partisan club? I mean, no, no. Nonpartisan. Nonpartisan. And they were, you know, they were um, similar to like a village Laguna, but, you know, it was kind of the counterpart to that. So and more business friendly, development yeah. friendly. And they were really um, working to get, you know, the Treasure Island Mobile Home Park. They that One of the reasons why they started was because of the, uh, the rent control um, referendum that was there so they kind of got together for that and then just kept growing and um what was the referendum they were trying to pass a rent control at the treasure just for treasure Island. yeah just for treasure who was Island. trying to pass that the, the city, city. Mm -hmm. to protect the people that that were renting in the mm -hmm. really so it was it was a uh, special election this was before my time before i came down here but um and it was defeated it was defeated I see. So, and then and, they, and, uh, then the and this Laguna United was a, a group that was yep. op op opposed to the rent control, rent control mm -hmm. which, we, which eventually led the way to the montage. Eventually led the way to the montage. So we worked on, um, part of my job was, you know, I was down at the city council meetings all the time. I had a, a column in the paper called The Big Picture that I wrote. Mm -hmm. um, and we worked on, I mean, we worked on, you know, helping people understand about what it meant to close the park and relocating people and and what it was going to happen when it was closed with you know the, the construction of a luxury hotel and how it was going to be good for the city was this volunteer no i was paid for you that. Were paid. yeah not very much sure <laughs> not very much i don't think they were very well funded but 
Let me back up for a second. So you you went to Berkeley. Yep. That's pretty good. Out of Laguna High School. I went, no, I went to Saddleback first. First mm -hmm. I took a year off. Then I went to Saddleback, and then I went to Berkeley. For Smart. Two, yeah. Got a little more focused. Well, I wish know, I'd taken a year my, off. My dad decided my, in my senior year he wasn't going to pay for me to go to college. Mm. So I ended up taking a year off. Why? Why? Oh, that's a whole other story. Hard ass. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it ended up being fine. That's so all good. You know, something my, good came out of that. Yeah, you you developed some ambition. I am... Um, I worked full time, went to Saddleback. I actually got a scholarship from them for my grades and then um, transferred up to Berkeley and put myself through college. Back then it was um, 1300 a semester. Now it's, I don't know how many thousands you, of dollars. Four years you were out, in and out, three years? I graduated in four and a half. I graduated it because I took a year off. I graduated from high school in Did 85. Did you get your master's and your PhD in that time? <laughs> By the time I was 17? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. But you did get an interesting major because you, yes. you didn't go the. Um, the uh, liberal arts route. You went. I got a bachelor route. of science in conservation and resource studies with an emphasis in water rights. And um, now that's my a passion. fairly esoteric major, I would say, for an undergrad. How the yeah, heck? Did I you started. I just started taking um, a lot of environmental classes and was really attracted to water and the battle between farming. Ah, the, the lifelong attraction to water. You grew up yeah. in Laguna. Yeah. But this was a little more in the agricultural realm. Of yeah, because, you know, back then, and I think it's it's not quite 90% anymore, but, you know, when I was at college, it was 90% of the water, water in the state was used by agriculture. And, in fact... It's, um, I believe, 66%. Yeah, now, I think it's lower now. But, but still if, significant. If we, they used to say, if California had been a country, we would be, like, the number seven producing country in the whole world back producing then. Producing... Producing agricultural products. Agricultural, you know. sure. So, um, so I, we went on field trips to the Central Valley and saw how much water is being wasted, with the way that they spray the crops, and thirty percent is, you know, just evaporated into the heat of the Central Valley. And mm -hmm. took freshwater ecology classes and just a variety of things like that, and wrote my senior thesis on that. And, um, you know. It's one of the things about this campaign, I, I'm expecting you to bring it up, because it hasn't really been brought up that, you know, we are in dire straits right now. And Duh. And it drives me crazy. And, you know, sorry if you live around me that I call the water district when water's running down the street all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. But simple things. The other day, I walk by this house all the time because I walk my dogs in the morning, and this the water was running down the street to the point where mushrooms were growing in the street. And I knocked on the door. I left the people a nice note, and nothing happened. And then I was walking by last week, and the gardener was out there. And I said, you know, have you checked the water? And he said, oh. And I said, well, it's running every day. I walk by here every day. So the next day I walk by, no water. The next day I walk by, no water. And all it did was he just changed the sprinkler time to, I think I see it now once a week because I walk by there every day. But, right, you know, but, you know, people having to voluntarily conserve water would actually be some sort of tacit acknowledgement that we have a problem mm -hmm. and too many people are blinded by the mirage of greenery around them to believe that oh there's no water problem why would everything be so I green think there should be mandatory rationing i mean it's my mom lives in a small town in texas bernie texas they have mandatory water rationing i mean you can only water your grass i think it's like you know, depending on what your number of your house or whatever, you know, they do it by zones, like every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. That's it, you know. Um, well, did you see the article in the L.A. Times about a few weeks ago with named about seven or ten cities that are imminently going to run out of water? Small towns. And I picked up the paper today. There was another one. 
it's actually happening that you know the water's going to stop coming out of the faucet mm -hmm. and um what do you think that'll do to home values i don't think that's going to be good no if, but, um, if if you're running on a platform of fiscal responsibility and a prosperous mm -hmm. community the first thing you have to address is the right. impending water so shortage can you explain to me why we just put in a new field up at molten meadows when we know we have that's an excellent point we have michelle football fields that have fake grass fake grass right. looks pretty good these days right you know I mean, and this was a pretty big engineering project because it was closed for several months yeah I will. and um i think i heard that the drainage is actually more energy uh, more efficient than what was there before i'm sure it's been improved upon mm -hmm. but you know what most of the world plays soccer on the dirt that's true yeah i mean i don't and know maybe it would take a little bit of here well but, but maybe it'll take a little bit of brown to really remind people that we live in a desert and particularly now a very parched desert and that water out there that we see mm -hmm. you know that's not a water problem that's a salt problem mm -hmm. and we do not have the technology to scale desalinization we don't have the technology to scale uh rainwater catchment or fog catchers or any of this other it's all promising and it'll arrive at some point now do you know mike beanan yes he's a um helped get the he's an ex-navy seal and he helped to get the marine preserve act accomplished here and the water reclamation the water reclamation yeah that was a yeoman's effort mm -hmm. serious water guy mm -hmm. and we have a few of them in this town yeah he seems to think you know what his idea is he seems to think that we can recycle wastewater and of like three or four times and get even out of species we can generate water that's more pure than our faucets right now well i'm i i think that technology exists today you it know? does yeah it does so I, if you look let at me cities ask you in australia though i know, yeah, you know some cities in australia you know they have that whole gray water system and in you know, included in their homes and right. all, I, i've even heard in you know small towns in india where the, where technology hey, isn't even that advanced. we got a guy here in town max isles who put a gray water system in his house and then he opened it up for everybody to see mm -hmm. oh i don't know if i should say it i don't even know if it's legal <laughs> but you know every every drop that goes down his sink ends up watering his garden mm -hmm. or comes out of his uh dishwasher or uh or washing machine so you know i'm looking at your beautiful flyer with Thank your beautiful you. children they are uh, beautiful. that very came out today them. very timely and you have what i would just have to candidly say fresh leadership enhancing laguna way of life a fairly generic campaign slogan no mm -hmm. offense and the other side new perspective fo focused on results that matter to you what are those results and what's the what's the old perspective right now well i am trying to be you know, an example for my generation. I'm the first of my generation to run. You know, we. What generation? Just when you say I, that. I would say, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 47, so. Do we fact check that? Can I see your driver's license? Yes, you may. Go ahead. <laughs> um, you don't like it. Thank you. It's yoga. Um, you know, when I go to, especially you know, after through this process of all the debates and forums and you know there's a, there's a, a group of people that go to a lot of the different debates and they're very involved and you know i appreciate that but i don't see a lot of people that are under 50 doing this you, you know? are so true and you know i don't know if someone's just waiting for someone to break the mold if that's it i raise my hand i'm volunteering to do that but you know You're i grew up in this, one for the know, team I'm, tr I'm trying to be an example we need 
you know, the younger generation and younger, oh my God, I'm almost 50, but you know, to get you're, more You're involved. barely a babe in this town. <laughs> it's it's This is an old true. town. It's kind of true. At least the people that show up, as I agree. Have you ever yeah. seen when you drive down Main Beach since... Since the war in Iraq broke out, every Saturday mm-hmm. you see a group of the people. Peace, the peace people. And they're still there. Mm-hmm. And I find that admirable Me too. to spend their Saturdays doing that. And the people that were the biggest stakeholders in that ridiculous waste of a war are young people. Because they're the ones that were getting drafted. It's their future that's being mortgaged, as you said. All the money going into that. And now, you know, wouldn't it be great if some of that money went into education so people wouldn't get saddled with these ginormous loans? Anyway, I digress. And uh, do you see one of them out there? And I don't get why there's such a level of apathy. Maybe maybe we're seeing it. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's invisible. But I've been told, yeah. well, the Iraqi war was not a Laguna war because the people that went in were middle, were working class and immigrants. It was a, their e-ticket to a green card. If you join the military, you could get you could become a, a citizen. Mm-hmm. So it didn't touch the lives of the very privileged. Mm-hmm. So they don't, you know. As long as the waves are coming in, you know, what war? Well, uh, well, if you want to digress to that, we can talk about that. Sticking more on just city politics. You know, I, I have come up against that. I mean, you know, I'm, I helped found the Laguna Beach High School Alumni Association back in um, the 90s with Walker Reed. And, um, you know, we, I'm trying to get that group involved because there's still a lot of alumni that live here in town. They're raising the kids here. And... You know, they'll, they'll come out for certain things. You know, they're kind of passionate, like skate parks, stuff like that. But um, I don't know if we just need to make politics sexier, you know. Like, we got to just get people, like, there's something in it that makes people more interested, you know. And I don't know if, I mean, village entrance kind of rallied people, you know. But I don't know if my quote-unquote generation got super excited about it, you know. Uh-huh. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, what I can go down there is bring some new perspective, bring some modern thoughts, more, you know, some technological. Um, I came up with an idea um, at the Arts Alliance Forum. I was just sitting in the Playhouse, and we were talking about parking, and, you know, the people from the Playhouse don't want to have the parking behind the Playhouse, and then some people from the city want to put parking back there, and it's kind of an issue right now. And um, I've been, it's been explained to me that it's a... They, the fire, if there was a fire, you couldn't get cars in and out, and it was, you know, safety issue. But I was sitting there, and I was thinking, well, if you buy a ticket to the Playhouse or the festival or the Sawdust, most things are done online. It's just like when you buy a ticket to the Verizon Amphitheater. You have an option to buy parking, a parking pass. Why don't we do that with our, you know, venues that we have here in town? And then that way it educates people, because I'm a big proponent of peripheral parking, you know, educate people before they even try and come into town to look for a parking place that when you buy a ticket you automatically park at act five and if you buy more than two or three tickets it's considered carpooling and we'll give you a free parking pass you know so that was just an idea i had the other day and you know it's just incentive things. based peripheral parking programs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you support a second story on act five you know um that was a student news question this week that i just answered the, today um i missed it and well, it comes out tomorrow. But that was let's know, get a scoop. Do you do you, uh, support building a parking structure at yeah. Act Five? And I said, yeah, if it's financially feasible, um, and it needs to be done with modern technology. I think lifts need to be talked about. Right. You know, putting in lifts, mechanical lifts. Um, 
but you know we we it has to look you know the cost analysis has to be done but i i, I don't where else then where else can we put peripheral parking well we have peripheral parking i mean we have it at boat canyon we have it at the hospital um i don't know if people know you know i know that the hospital parking lot sits empty mm -hmm. i mean a lot of it does during the summer now we have better signage there's simple little things that we can do that work that aren't that are cost effective and and the big p's for parking that we saw this summer i think really helped direct people where to go i think using mobile apps more you know directing people where there's empty spaces because people are technology you know most people are pretty savvy these days with their cell phones yep. um i mean at I least know, your generation yeah <laughs> i know and my, my kids you know they all use the trolley tracker all summer long i mean Heck even yeah. the little kids you know so because Okay, so Boat Canyon I think you and the get a hospital. When you're born these days, you just automatically get. Absolutely, them. <laughs> I certainly know how to use them. Yeah, amazing. They type before they can write. Yep. Um, and and then you know the increased trolley service is going to be great, but um, but I think educating people before they start coming in and circling around and clogging up the streets trying to find a parking place, you know, mm -hmm. keeping them out. What's your uh, position so on the some from what you've heard so far? Laguna Canyon Road project. Yeah, that's in the works right now. Um, we definitely need, um, you know, a, a better bike lane. Um, I, I'm not, sh you know, I I want to underground the utilities. I think that's important to do. And I know there's several different plans, and all all four of them have said yes. That's the one thing that the all four plans agree on is that yep. that needs to be undergrounded. Yep. Um, you know, they've talked about bike lanes on either side. It makes more sense to have it on the outer, I guess, the inbound side. LCAT side. Yeah, because of, you know, the driveways that you yep. as you're driving out. So, um, you know, what kind of bike it lane? easier to get across, too, because it's really dangerous to cross that road. They Definitely. just put in the new signal now. So, you want, so big question for you. Mm -hmm. Two lanes, the way it is now, three lanes, four lanes. What do you think? You know, I, I've, I've thought about this, and I still want to hear what the task force says. I've read, the, I've read what the documents, you know. What what, what's your instinct study. tell you? Gut feel. You know, what's um, going to... Okay, let me, let, me, let me lay it out for you. Let me unpack it for you. Inbound. Uh, theory is better circulation, more lanes, get into town. Uh, outbound, let's, let's talk about the three-lane possibility, just an outbound lane, sort of an escape valve <clears throat> that some advocates think, just put that third outbound lane in and it'll funnel all, because one of our biggest problems is getting out of town, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the people that say, no, 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 no new lanes. It's fine just as it is. Right. Well, I read the traffic study that the register did and and. and it didn't really improve the amount of time that much, you know, if they added an extra lane. But I guess if I had to pick, I would say keep it one in and two out just to help people when okay. they're going out of town. Okay, I mean, there I, you have you know, it. We're not going to hold you to it because you're going to wait for the yeah. experts to weigh in. But let me ask you this. Bicycle lane, if, if we could only afford a bike lane and we decided to put it on that side of the road, I don't know if you call it the north side. I guess it's the north side. Um, or is it the... Outbound or inbound? LCAD side. I'm talking and about down. a bike lane. Mm -hmm. You only put it there, so you make it two lanes, very wide. And if you can only afford, and you only have room to do that, and it's two-way, and it's got a barrier, which means it's protected from the motorist. That's class one bikeway. Um, would you support that? I'd have to 
See what I mean? I don't know how much that would cost. You know, that's yeah. a big thing, and I don't know what Caltrans. We're going to get the cost. Caltrans regulations are with you know the the median, and you know the roadway has to be a certain width from the the middle to where the businesses are, and mm-hmm. if we're adding a lane or taking down the power lines, all that stuff has to be incorporated into that decision. So, right. Okay. You know, not opposed so to bike lanes. One at of all. the things that's refreshing to see on your campaign platform that I've not seen from anybody else, and perhaps it has to do with your local routes. And I think it's a terribly important issue for this town, and that is a skate park. Mm-hmm. Me too. Where? Where are we going to put it? Well, I know the last place they tried to do it was at Molten Meadows. And that I, went over well. I, I know. It did not go over were well. Were you there as a resident? N- no, because I just moved up to Arch Beach Heights in June. Okay. So but you semi- heard that uh, Kelly and Steve were basically ducking from a hail of bullets. Mm-hmm. I did hear that. And that's a shame, because if you really read what tony hawk foundation has done all across and all over the world actually um you know it it, it improves the neighborhoods and you know that i've talked to the police about it they like the fact that they know where the kids are yeah i I think that notion that ooh, they're vandals because they skate and they might have a tattoo is 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 so 1970 you know when we when we ban our kids from skating on our streets what are they supposed to go you know so it's in our DNA. It, it, well, this is one of the places it started. Right. I know. Um, and it's a beautiful sport to witness. Yep. I mean, if you ever go up to a, a city that actually has a skate park in the center of town, like Santa Monica, Santa Cruz, Santa, Santa, Santa. Santa. Barbara has one right, right there on the pier. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great tourist draw. They it's even a great have local one draw. in Bernie, Texas, where my mom lives. <laughs> so you think Malton Meadows was the right place? Well, well, I know the na- you know I'm a, I, you gotta listen to the neighborhoods you know so right. what another option is perhaps to build smaller ones and have three or four at the different parks mm. you know um, interesting at the park at the end of Alta Vista or Alta Laguna um, you know. I don't know how much the basketball courts are used, but I, I kind of have a feeling that a skate park would be more would you be used more. Mm-hmm. So you know the area where the basketball courts are, possibly turning that into you know working with. The, I I've um, met with a meeting with Kim Novak, who's the head of the charitable donation. She was a guest on the show. Yeah, she's she had to cancel because her mom. Super had, impressive. Yes, and um, they want to spend the money here in this town. You know, she lives here in town. Right. You know. Right. Another so treasure. We. You know, we got to work with people who want to invest in this community, and they're, they want to do it. So. Have you investigated the possibility of putting one right on Main Beach? Has that no. thought occurred to you? Oh Why not? Oh, my gosh, Billy. <laughs> Why people not? People wouldn't, they don't want to touch Main Beach. That's, I don't Why? Know. There's how about, areas. How about we move we the museum? We have a basketball court. We, we have museum. volleyball courts. How about we move the museum to the village entrance project site? We can build a cultural center, include the museum, and You've make the been museum reading the into Sam a Goldstein park. plan. Maybe. Well, I, that was I, that an was, idea I had too. Okay, yeah. Sam, you don't get credit, <laughs> but I like Sam. He's a big thinker. Yeah. Um, and he's a campaign supporter of yes, yours. Yes, he is. He's a big. Supporter. So now this is a, you just teed it up for me because now you've talked about skate park at the, at the museum, moving the museum to the to the village entrance location. You've talked about undergrounding the power lines, mm-hmm. but, you know, checking how much it's going to cost. And I did hear I you say, expensive. no, no, but I heard you say at a, at a debate, and this is where I'm going to have to 
nail you a little bit as you because you're a lifelong Republican. You somebody no, asked I was you a Democrat. In okay, so I, I didn't know that, <laughs> but we'll get to that. But you're a, you're a Republican, and so the the party line is no more taxes, mm-hmm. no more taxes. Where I find that to be uh, hypocritical is that Republicans by nature are pro business and pro growth. So in order for a city to do big things, and, and Sam and I have had this discussion, in order for them to do these big things that you're talking about, it requires taxation. How well, do you square those two? I, you know, I mean, like I said, building the skate park, the Tony Hawk Foundation is willing to come in and donate a lot of the money. So, you know, working with them, and I think, you know, we are an activist community. I think that we could go out and find funding from people that would help to contribute to it. Um, you know, harnessing, you know, our big thing is we have... So you think we can do this without, without a a levy on the taxpayer? I would love to see that. Yes. Before we, before we automatically go to let's tax ourselves, how about we try and be creative and find creative funding? Because there's a lot that sits out there. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just like, like what, what else? it was like Sam did, you know, with so the bed got, tax funding the arts, you that's know, I true. mean, that was a creative way to you harness bet. tourist dollars. So. so you got, you got possibly anywhere from, I don't know, 70, 80 million dollars to talk about undergrounding the power lines mm-hmm. and putting those lanes in. And I'm certainly in favor of it. I'm in favor of a lot of these things because um, cities need to morph and change and grow with the times and adapt to the, to the conditions. Um, I don't think the burden is on Laguna, though, to pay for the underground. I think it's a multi-level, you know, agency. Sure. You know. But let's say 20, 30, 40 million to do our share. Because let's say we even got, um, well, no, actually, we wouldn't have to necessarily bear any of it because it, it's a it's a Caltrans right. road. We'd have to find the money to help, I mean, you know, help find a way to finance it, I suppose. But um, We have a lot of talented people that work for the city. You know? We do. We have- but, you know, years ago... We voted to for to protect our open space, and we had to buy land, and there was a tax levied on the entire community. They paid it, and I think if you asked anybody today, that was a worthwhile investment. Jerry, about the canyon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, aren't there instances when, for the greater good and for an affluent community, to look at a little hike on their annual property tax or a sales tax here or there is... If two-thirds of the majority agree with that, then two-thirds of the majority agree with it. You know, it has to be passed by two-thirds which to raise taxes. So, yeah, you, know, you put it to the vote to the people, just like the parcel so tax, it, which so you, I opposed. Um, right. You know, that we it was defeated. Okay. Um, but it was I, a it project was, that you really wanted to get behind, that you believe would bring that fresh vitality and get the younger people interested, and it was a dynamic cultural change to our town. You would... Support some. You would seek out the money. You'd find a creative way to finance it. Let me propose to you also, Michelle, that there are other ways to tax people in this town without taxing us, which you mentioned with Sam. There's bed tax, Mm -hmm. there's sales tax, Mm -hmm. and there's parking revenue. So we do have sources of revenue. But Bob Whalen, who you'll be serving with, um, being a fiscal municipal bond expert, has said when he first got elected, he said there's never been a time a better time to borrow money for a city, particularly Laguna, because it's teed up so well, no debt, sterling credit rating, um, uh, and able to repay that debt through various sources of revenue, the, the parking revenue in particular. And a lot of these things, that these improvements would be cash generating as is, like the garage, which we all ended up opposing, but for other reasons, but they generate revenue. So 
we don't always have to share the shoulder the burden when we say raising taxes. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, our tourism industry and what people spend here coming to see the arts is it's over $50 million a year when you add up, you know, when bed, the hotels and restaurants right. and parking and buying of art and all that stuff, it's an integral part of this community. And, you know, I think that is the area, you know, where, where we we generate a lot of revenue for the city. So we know? should find money for the arts. Which, yes, well... I mean, I, I think your idea of moving the museum to... I, I think we, we should have some dramatic cultural institution at the village mm -hmm. entrance. I mean, I've heard Performing Arts Center, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't have a, pl a venue for musicians um, of where we could bring in world-class musicians, um, a branch of the arts. We've even heard a proposal for the homeless shelter there. Oh, I'm not in favor of okay, that. Okay, not in favor of that one, but artistic, Because <laughs> I don't think that should be the first thing you cultural. see when you come into town. Right. But a cultural center is something that um, definitely, I mean, you know, we've, Pay a lot of money for that Christmas tree lot, so yeah. um, let's, we let's need to get our money's it. worth out of it. I you agree. know, um, and I uh, mean, I know they've talked about too. You know, they started the groundbreaking of the festival, and they're going to be redoing the festival, and they're going to do it in kind of a in pods where it's connected, so mm -hmm. it's wheelchair accessible. Um, and then the next phase is to do the playhouse, you know, and then the next phase is to do. Um, is to possibly look at the tennis courts and putting something there. So right, um, I want to go back to something because you just dismissed it out of hand. I want to know why we can't put a skate park at Main Beach. Think about it. I've thought about it. I've looked it over. We have areas that are recessed from the street. There's the lawn, and then in between the basketball court and some of the benches, there's a brick area. There's a sand area, sandy area. I'm talking about on this side, the street side of the boardwalk. And, you know, it has to be set back because Coastal Commission rules or this, that, and the other. This would be, I mean, look at other cities where they put their skate parks right downtown. Would draw young people in. It would be incredible. I mean, it's like watching an action sports show all the time. It's like watching a great surfer. And why, why, what I is... I just think, you know, I mean... you. People, I don't know if they're going to be surprised, but I think that, you know, the environmentalists in a lot of the town fought really hard to keep Main Beach as it is and make it a park. And I don't think they'd want to put anything like that But how that is there. that deviating from what it is now? You have basketball and you have volleyball. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you have another sport? You're the advocate on this, Michelle. I am a big advocate, but I, I'm not. I'm, I've, no one suggested putting it at Main Beach, so I haven't thought about it that much. But my well, first reaction is that I'm, I think... What, I'm what pitching about, you right now, um, and I'm saying if you adapt that as the if the centerpiece well, of your campaign, I will support you. Okay, thank you. Because it's doable. It just takes some big stones. I like the parking lot too down um, at Aliso Beach. That's not used. Here's the problem. Know? Here's the problem with Molten Meadows and all these places, these remote places. Is how do the kids get there? You know, I mean, Molten Meadows. What are they going to wait for the bus? Everybody's going to get on the bus. It's too remote. This is this is this is a nexus thing. How we do gotta, you feel about putting one on top of a parking structure at Act Five? Yeah, that that I mean, I, I I'm mean, hard they, to visualize. It's such they a build I mean, tennis courts and ice yeah, rinks and others. Why know? not let these fabulous artists and athletes display their wares in front of in the public view on a beautiful beach overlooking the Pacific Ocean, and to be able to watch the artistry of these skateboarders? You know what? It's the one place where the noise will get mitigated better than you got the ocean crashing on one side and you got cars on the other side. 
that's the place you want a place that's that's noise you know mm-hmm. agnostic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like that <laughs> noise well, agnostic noise agnostic to, I have to main, write that one down <laughs> main beach that's the place that's where you have all the nightlife you know i mean downtown we've had so what do you think about um forest avenue mm-hmm. what do you think we can do with that well i remember back when i was doing united laguna and i met with jim lashley um back in 90 whatever year that was 93 or 94 and he had he was a landscape architect here in town and he kind of was the catalyst behind trying to close forest avenue and really um, yeah do you know him no and this was back in the early yeah, mid 90s no, yeah. mm-hmm. so i arrived just after that but I mean, the minute Lashley. my feet touched the ground here i thought why isn't this a pedestrian promenade well and i you know there's two, there's two schools of thought and one of them is that if you close it off then retail business goes down because instead of people being forced to walk down the sidewalks and window shop and then ultimately go in, they walk down the center. So why can't you build seating areas or things that make people meander throughout? You know, that's one idea. Do, do you really believe that? What it's you been, just said. It's been. Yes, I do. Actually, you read think about it. In that if Pasadena you have a, pe- a and pedestrian, other places that happen. So you're saying Santa Mon- Monica. Well, I'm, I'm, first, I'm not finished. Sorry, sorry. School, I got excited. Keep going. So, you know, and I know there, there, a lot of merchants have said that too. What I, I think would be great if we had a promenade down there, but instead of maybe doing something so dramatic as closing off the whole street, my idea is why don't we start with one side of it and keep the thoroughfare with some parking and have the restaurant side come out onto the parking lot. I've seen really, you know, if, I think up in San Francisco and other cities where they take a parking place and they make it into a little mini park, you know, mm-hmm. have the tables come out, have music, maybe shut it down once a month, the whole thing, see how it goes. So it's not such a dramatic change, but we work our way towards that. Now, I walked around the uh, town with the uh, Smart Streets guy, the urban planner from L.A., I can't remember his name right now. And when we walked around, we were talking about that, and he said he, we walked by the bottom of Park, which is between the Giro or Giro, Gyro, however you say, mm-hmm. Mediterranean sandwich shop and the White House. And he said this would be a perfect place to close down. He, he liked that street. That's what we referred to as Lower Park. It's mm-hmm. where Transition Laguna had its Earth Day Festival yeah. under those mm-hmm. canopy of beautiful ficus yeah. trees. So That's not a bad spot either. He, he liked that area because it's shaded and, and it's right. not such a busy thoroughfare. And there's really not that much parking. I don't know how many parking spaces are there. Eight About or ten. Oh, uh, there? Um, on actually, street. only four. Okay, so it's just on one side. Yep. So, um, oh, I might we be, don't I talk might be about eight. that. We don't we don't talk about anything when come you know coming coming to I pedestrian mean, how, how great public is space. Hospitality night. I the mean, greatest. And and I heard someone saying, oh, it's a lot of tourists that come. It's the town. 100%. It is the town and guess what? that comes down there. Traffic isn't isn't a mess. They don't have to, you know, we don't have this massive gridlock. This notion that you just said about circulation, I'm baffled that people think the Forest Avenue promotes good circulation of traffic. I think it's a wildly inefficient street. You come in, you're heading south on Coast Highway, you want to turn left, you can't. It creates a jet backlog because why? One car is pulling out and they happen to be a bad driver and they're taking their time and they stop and they break and they look and they break and we're all sitting there on what's supposed to be an actual street and now it's resembling a parking lot and it screws everything up and I don't know why people just don't test it. They can talk about how it's going to kill the retail. (coughs) They can talk about how, oh boy, if you have people walk down the middle of the street, 
I really think you're you're demeaning the human uh, intelligence to say, oh, I'm not going to look in a store window because I'm walking down the middle. Um, every city you go to when you're traveling, it, in, be it in Europe or Asia, do you seek out the public plaza? I mean, I do. That, mm -hmm. to me, is where the action is. That's the civic center. That's where you see. And it's so teed up. We've got these restaurants waiting to put their tables in the street. Now, we did something. We tried it once. We were there when the Chamber of Commerce a few years mm -hmm. back tried. And there was a lot of backsplash back, you know. With the tents and they had Well, they, they, they turned it into a party. And they had Klieg lights. And, and so the, the, the restaurants loved it. They did great business. It was festive. I thought I was actually in Europe or in Menton, our sister city for once. Mm -hmm. But the merchants said, well, nobody came because they were there to party and drink. Well, that's what happens when you create a party. But if we didn't go through all that expensive hoopla and simply put up some, you know, benches, put up some barriers, some temporary barriers and tested it like they do in other cities, like Mayor Bloomberg, who says you got to test it. You got to give it an empirical amount of time, a year. So you have it in high season, low season. Right. You don't have to do it every night. You know, let's try it on a Saturday, on a weekend. Let's try it on a Wednesday. So let's your idea is to have occasional closers up for yes, us and not make but I say none of this don't go halfway trying to appease everybody okay we're gonna have it now just one lane going down and one one lane of parking if you took all those cars out that street would be magnificent I mean if you put some planters in there and some nice lighting and some cafe tables guaranteed you, this would be the draw of I mean people hunger for human they for collisions you know, there was a great urban developer in Las Vegas. He was the founder of Zappos Shoes, Tony Shea. And he's put $300 million into taking a decrepit part of, of uh, mm -hmm. East Las Vegas and creating a model city of young, techie kind of uh, progressive people, artists. And it's, in, it's all intentional, the mix of restaurants and shops and office space. But the whole thing is they call it ROC, Return on Collision, because when people randomly meet each other at cafes or outside on park benches, Kismet happens. Serendipity. People find, hey, I'm looking for a graphic designer. Oh, you know a graphic designer? Hey, I got this great startup. We're looking for, boom, boom, boom. Things happen. And I feel like Laguna Beach is really missing that central core public space. Sorry. Well, I no, I, hey, I'm, I'm not opposed to shutting down forests. I, I, if, we could, if we could deal with the traffic issue, and you, in your opinion, you don't think it would be a problem. I mean, you know... And somebody has to stand up to the three or four merchants who have the ear of city mm -hmm. council who are clinging to an outmoded notion that if you don't provide convenience, if my customers can't park right in front of my store, I, my store will die. I don't know. I never even try to find parking on Forest. Right. I mean, I don't. That's not where I go. Right. And do you, for most of the year, have difficulty finding parking downtown with your shoppers, you know? No, in fact, I know they've done studies. They've actually, you know, measured the parking stickers in the summer and counted how many are down there. And it's mostly, it's a lot of residents during the week, not on right. the weekends so much. Right. But, we have know, a three-month-a-year problem. We still go down there, you know. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see the farmer's market on Wednesday afternoons on Forest Avenue for a simple reason of my perishables run out, you know. I mean, I buy them on a Saturday, and by Tuesday or Wednesday, they're turning on me. I want, I want fresh local produce. We have a fantastic farmer's market. Why not have it midweek? You know, Palm Springs does that. Have you ever seen the Palm Canyon Drive? They close the whole street, four lanes, boom. Farmer's market, craft's market, mm -hmm. and it's festive. It's great. They do that once a week. Once a week. Oh. Let's try it. 
you know, this is the thing. We we need to start thinking outside the box, and we need to start trying new things, and we need to stop saying, I mean, can't parking is, you know, the driving force with so many things. I think we need to look at the parking codes. Okay, let's talk parking and the traffic. Parking codes. I mean, they're outdated. In what way? And well, the fact that you know, I always say Shirley's Bagels is the poster child for this. But, oh yeah. Yeah, the fact that they wanted to move across the parking lot and then were required to provide two more parking places but they can't provide them out of thin air right and they weren't allowed to purchase the parking credit which i think they should have been able to but um you know it's it's it causes a lot of problems with businesses i mean i've called a lot of businesses including one that's on coast highway over there about you know them trying to get a deli into their Ooh, site a deli? and I'm the parking delis. codes are that they're required to provide a parking place for every hundred feet. Now, yeah. the only part of this building that was going to be used for the food service was like 600 square feet. The rest is like other retail stuff. But because the building's 3,000 square feet, they were being required to provide 30 parking places. That doesn't make sense. It's not common sense. It's mm. not. It's it's going by the books and the codes, and it's looking not looking at how does that help a business, or how right. are we going to help promote it, and how are we going to help them sustain their business once they get in there. You know. Right. What's so, what's missing in Laguna as far as retail? Well, this isn't even a political question, but you know, you I know a lot of people say we don't have a lot of local serving businesses. Um, I hardly ever leave town. <laughs> yeah, fine. You what know, you need. I, yeah. I mean, if and there's if sometimes if you really need something like uh, computer ink or something, you can yeah. go to CVS and get it. But I shop but locally. I you know. You told me you're you're not a late night person. You're a mother of two, and you uh, a yogi and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, what about for people visiting or people that, that live here, um, a sort of after hours, later night kind of venue that's not targeting 22-year-olds with loud music mm -hmm. and sticky floors? Well, I mean, that is one thing George Dubin taught We talked about that, you know, we don't help promote the musicians here. Um, you know, I mean, like Gigi's Cafe, he want, they wanted to have three people playing, you know, outside there, and they were only allowed to have one musician because of the nose. You because know. It, might, it, might, it might distract the drivers on PCH? I don't even know. <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, what's your, because we have, you know, the, the Marine Room plays until... Oh, I'm not even talking know, about loud I mean, music. I'm talking about a lounge, for God's sakes, where you, people can sit on a couch to quiet lounge chill house music and have a i'm talking about for the people not the generation yeah. after you but your generation the people who go out for dinner who may have a buck or two mm -hmm. and at nine o'clock because god forbid you should try to get a meal here at 10 o'clock oh, and you'll be out of luck <laughs> um and then after dinner you're with a couple and you're you know you had a nice meal hey Let's go to um, Hotel Laguna. Yeah, now they all close, and you know there's Hotel Laguna. The really? fireplace bar there, don't they have music? Sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Jason Fed. Go out pretty much. At night. Well, I'm just you know I'm just kind of. <laughs> but you mentioned but the deli. I, we we don't have a good deli. Uh, no, I mean, a real in fact, deli in know, New York. You know what was used to be really good was a la carte. Yeah. That was like the perfect to go food. You can go and get some great yes. salads. Yes. And late night. Although we used to have a couple of 24-hour places. I mean, I like I, I've, the the new restaurant has done a lot of really cool things there, Morrow Wood Girl. But, yep. you know, that old a la carte feel, you know. Yep. Where you could just but you like the restaurants we have in town? You think we got enough good restaurants? I think we have fabulous restaurants. Okay. Yeah, I do. Wanna. Now, I want to ask you something because this always gets in my head. You're running as a longtime Laguna 
uh, an original Lagoonan. Mm -hmm. and, and that sometimes becomes a, an issue of divisiveness when I've heard people say, well, look at that council member. They weren't born here. Look at that council member. They weren't. There's this fierce territorialism amongst people that were born here. And what I want to know is, because that somehow gives you instant cred that you're more authentic or perhaps even more caring what is it about being a local Laguna that, you know, that becomes so important and, and it's even part of your campaign? Well, I, I think you have a unique perspective when you've grown up here. You know, you just, Laguna is, it's an oxymoronic community. I mean, there, you can be really fiscally conservative and very, you know, environmentally liberal. I mean, there's all, you know, we're just a, we're a different breed here. We're not Newport. We're not Dana Point. We're not Aliso Vieja. We're Laguna. We got brains. Yeah. We've, and we have an activist community and I, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, yes, I am a registered Republican, but I always say more than anything, I'm, I'm just a Laguna resident. You know, I'm, I'm a, I like to say I'm an average citizen trying to do an extraordinary job. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm someone that I'm not a technocrat, but I can make strong decisions. Um, I'm not afraid to stand up and, you know, voice my opinion. And I did that last summer with the Village Entrance Project. And, mm -hmm. You know, I, I got emails from some of my people saying, don't get involved with that, Michelle. I was president of Laguna Beach Republicans back then. They said, you know, stay out of it. It's too controversial, blah, blah. And I said, no, you know, I'm, I'm opposed to this. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to voice my opinion on this, whether or not you agree with me or not. I got a lot of, you know, I got some heat from that. But um, and I stood up there with people, uh, you know, from both sides of the aisle. But like I said, I, I don't, I didn't care who was standing next to me. I cared what the issue was and whether or not it was good for Laguna. So what so, part of the, let me get into this for a second, the part of being a Republican, what, what part of the Republican party you know, the Republican informs party, your values? The par Republican party in Laguna is, is really different than I would say in just national politics. Um, I, I'm a fiscal conservative. Um, and you know, I, when I, Steve Dictoro was the one that called me a couple years ago and said, you know, would you like to get back involved with, you know, the party and helping? Because I met with Steve Dictoro. I was the first person he ever met with back in 94 when he ran and and uh, when I was doing United Laguna. And he introduced himself to me and said, I'm thinking about running for city council. And I remember thinking before I met with him, this guy is no one. I mean, and then after I met with him, I'm like, we got to get behind him because he is going to, he's very determined. It's not from Laguna. But, um, yeah, but he's a, you know, he was a, a short kid. He from, makes up for it with chutzpah. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. But anyway, so he called me and said, you know, would, I'd love for you to get involved and I'm going to run again. Blah, blah. And I said, you know, I'd like to do that. And I remember looking for a headquarters because we hadn't had one in 30 years. And I remember at the grand opening giving a, a speech and saying, I'm trying to make being a Republican kind of cool again, you know, because mm -hmm. it's just... It's this mentality of, you know, these old white men, old white men, mm. you know, totally. So, you know, you can be conservative, but you can still love this town and yep. and want to do good things for it and um, and still be a, an environmentalist. I mean, I, I consider myself an environmentalist. You too. seem to be. But Republicans so. are also the party that is generally anti-abortion. Mm -hmm. Are you anti-abortion? That's not a city issue. Are you anti-abortion, though? You're right for. I um I personally I'm pro-life. You're pro-life. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the same thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Pro-life, anti-abortion. Okay, so that you're supported on that value. What about uh, gay marriage? I'm in favor of gay marriage. What about 100% legalization of marijuana? Um. Well, it already is legal. 
I mean, not and to the extent that it's legal. It's it's not I legal here. I understand, you know, that legalization. I I um I have never liked smoking pot. I just I just don't. But I don't understand how they can say that it's not as strong as maybe drinking alcohol or other things. To me, it's all you know dangerous depending on what you're about to go do like go get in a car or you know mm-hmm. so um and i i think that colorado is seeing a lot of issues now with you know the legalization of all these pot dispensaries all you know it's causing crime in those neighborhoods and i haven't so. seen those honestly i've seen a lot of tax revenue raised i know that there's a huge demand for it they can't even supply all the demand they have more dispensaries in denver than they have mcdonald's and starbucks combined so, well, I, oftentimes I the will really, of the people. I would not be in favor of having one here in Laguna. But, you know, that's the thing that, I mean, I could voice my opinion and I could, you know, say that, but. Um, if the those majority. Are, those are one. Of, yeah. Those, and, yeah. And I'm not know. making, I'm not making a judgment at all. I'm just finding out where you're at on these issues. Mm-hmm. I think you made, you, you said that, um, you know, it's as strong as alcohol. And so it is a drug, but yet alcohol is legal. Yeah, but I, I don't understand. I don't. I'm not really that familiar with all the technicalities of the legalization of pot. It just doesn't affect my normal life. Yeah. Um, but you're a mother, and you obviously are concerned about your kids' welfare. And there's plenty of drugs in this town, like there are anywhere mm-hmm. at, in the in the country. I've been very um, blessed. My kids have been um, both honor roll. My son was. Uh, he, he attended St. Margaret's and he was captain of the football team there and he was a peer counselor and, uh, you know, he goes to a really great school now. My daughter's on the honor roll at Laguna and she's in AP classes and just won this great award That's in Model awesome. UN. Oh, and you be proud. so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's about, you know, it's parenting. I mean, you know, sure. whether or not pot is legal or not, kids can get it. I mean, that's, you know. That's obvious. I mean, that's, right. I'm not going to stick my head in the sand. But as a Republican, wouldn't you think, from a fiscal standpoint, that if they can get it, it's readily available? Why wouldn't we want to control it in some way and reap the tax benefits and at least have some sort of oversight so that we do keep the criminal element away from? I'm not really sure if that has to do with being a fiscal conservative or not. So, well, it's, I'm just saying it's a way to generate revenue for the government and, you know, for the t- you know, t- that can relieve can relieve the burden to taxpayers. Not buying it. No. OK, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm grasping <laughs> straws here. No, no. I, I as far as, you know, kids in pot and alcohol and drugs, I mean, let's say adults with pot. I mean, you don't like it. You no. You prefer alcohol. That's your poison of choice. I, I think if people. Um, I don't know. This this doesn't have anything to do with my campaign. Okay, well, (laughs) but it does have to do with life. And, and, you know, I mean, it it has been heard at various times whether Laguna Beach, they have outlawed very early on a dispensary, even to those who may really, I mean, there was an article in the LA Times yesterday. I'm I'm in favor of medical marijuana. I think people are in pain. And and my best friend, whose daughter is my goddaughter, her husband was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer when she was three months pregnant. And he died when Kiara was 13 months old. And um, 
I was very a part of that whole process because my friend had a newborn and a husband who was dying all at the same time. So I went, they lived in LA at the time and I went up there every week and helped. And you know, he suffered a lot at the end. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that helped relieve that was the medical marijuana. So. Okay, so, so there are benefits as a medicine, but not necessarily as a recreational drug that could be a gateway to alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, I just wanted to know. Um, Okay, so any other big ideas that you'd like to, to share with us to my three listeners? Oh, there's more than that. There's four. Yeah. <laughs> well, my mom is going to probably podcast um, if she can figure it out. How. You know, I, I, like we were saying, I mean, water conservation has got to be put on the front burner yes. here. The homeless problem, you know, I really want to make that a big part of, you know, when I'm elected trying to, I don't think it's going to be solved, but I think helping and alleviated and working with the Friendship Shelter and working with other cities mm -hmm. and working with Jason Ferris, who's in the trenches, you know, um, people like that. And um, and kids, you know, I mean, I think that I'm the only, I'm not, the, I, I am the only candidate that has a kid in the school system. And, you know, I think because we were talking about the generational thing, I think that we've kind of lost perspective mm -hmm. on focusing on our kids and our families. I mean, you know, I know it sounds corny, but they are our future. You know, absolutely. So, um, and you're gonna get, and then public safety. Public safety, that's always number one in the polls. So you know. Yes, it is. I, isn't I, it? I, I, and it's such an easy thing I for know. a politician to cozy up to. And I've seen every single politician say, "Number." I'm glad you acknowledged it for the for the phony issue that it is. It's not phony. It is important, but it is, like you said, it's safe to say because How? everyone's in favor of it. Do we I'll have enough you, police in this town? Yes, I think we have enough police. Do we have more I than enough? I th um, one thing I'd like to have is a citizen's advisory committee where we can not only, you know, I don't want people to go there and just complain about the police, but have an open dialogue to help each other mm -hmm. um, for good and bad right. with the police. I mean, the social host ordinance was a horrible idea, and I'd like to get that taken off the books. Um, it only addresses alcohol. It doesn't yep. address prescription drugs or mm -hmm. other things that kids are Which doing. Which kills people more than anything we've yeah. talked about, I by mean, the way, the that they can get one. readily in their parents' yeah. medicine that's chest. That's the number one thing. So yep. um, working, you know, with the police for things like that. The fire, obviously, with our town. Mm -hmm. um, I love that we started the citizen volunteer with the, the red flag fire days, you know, yep. and they patrol and... Um, but, you know, marine safety, I always feel like marine safety kind of takes a backseat to this. And, um, you know, we have four million visitors a year that come to Laguna and hundreds of thousands of people that are on the beach. And, you know, like the 4th of July weekend, the waves were huge that weekend. And the lifeguards, I was at Main Beach. I watched one lifeguard, I wrote a letter to the editor about it. He's a friend, the Zuziak's kid, Cameron. He relentlessly was in and out of the water, in and out of the water. Pulling. And people don't understand the waves. You know, not everybody grew up here. Right. And I saw mom taking her little two-year-old, got knocked down by the wave. The kid disappears off into, yep. you know. We have drownings every year. They don't understand it. And it really, it really bothers me that we had to take down the lifeguard towers off the beaches. I mean, I think that, you know. They should be there year-round? I think our lifeguard towers should be there year-round. I mean, we. Interesting. I, just, I haven't heard this one. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. You know, if you look at violence in this in our city, it's it's really primarily two things: the ocean mm. and pedestrians and cyclists. Mm -hmm. It's not 
it's not felons walking around with guns, robbing people, shooting people, you know, but that gets the headlines. If we had as many homicides in this town as we have drownings or bicycle fatalities, you know, there would be, we, we'd bring in a militia. I, I think people don't understand, actually, you're right, how many people are injured in this earth. And I'm... Uh, my another my, my other I keep saying my my other best friend, but she was a, a nurse at a Mission Hospital in the ICU, uh, neurological unit for 12 years, and she's her son was the one that was diagnosed with uh, lymphoma this year, who's now cancer free, the Chapmans, and um, she would tell me these stories of people that get injured, you know, the spinal columns, and I mean just horrible, horrible things that happen, you know, and we don't, it's not really, the, it's not reported that often about, you know, yep. the amount of injuries we have here. So I, I think that lifeguards are, are and I just think they, they get kind of put down on the totem pole and mm -hmm. you look at funding for sure. Yeah, we only have them for three months a year, basically. And, um, you know, I'm glad we got the new lifeguard facility built, but yep. I think that we need to have permanent, you know, where it's possible, mm -hmm. lifeguard towers, um, and make sure that they're staffed. What about biking infrastructure? It's a hot topic right now. I know. Well, bikes, I, and I, I've actually read, I, I Googled um, bike paths. You know, I looked up, okay, say I want to drive, or I mean, I'm, I'm a visitor and I want to ride my bike through Laguna mm -hmm. and I don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. I did notice that Safe Streets and Transition Laguna is the only place you can go that actually has graphs and, you know, road maps and stuff. The city should have something like that, I think, but they don't, I don't think they do at least I couldn't find today. Um, but I think getting the bikers off of Coast Highway and, you know, paint is cheap. You know, we, yep. we can paint the roads. We can paint, yep. mark where the bike cyclists are going to be and we can use the sharrows and we can use signs to tell people to go to High Drive in Cyprus and Glenary, maybe Catalina. Um, you know, or it gets safer down in South Laguna. So, I mean, it's portions of it. It's um, but any place I think that we can get them off the highway is mm -hmm. what we should do. And like I said, paint is cheap, you know, so. And any thoughts on how you create a biking culture in Laguna so that more people of all ages, and if they're challenged by the hills, they might consider an electric bike that have, you know, great charge capacities now. Um, we have world-class mountain biking trails. Yeah, we do. And we have some of the legends of the sport living right here. Mm -hmm. So we have... A biking culture similar to a skate and surf culture but it's pretty invisible there have been an attitude prevailing in this city for far too long that bikes it's not a biking town and it creates a liability for the city because of that i think i think people are nervous and scared to ride their bikes and until we make that a, a safety you know i mean make people feel safer that they can ride their bike I think fewer people are going to, you know, want to do it. I mean, then it's it has been in the headlines more, though, you know, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Do you know there was another fatality last Sunday? Um, Not directly in Laguna, but in Coast Highway at Crystal Cove. Yes, I did know about 30-year-old man was yeah. uh, struck and killed 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. It's wonderful. It's po Coast Highway. I agree we need to get people off of it, but we also need to just figure out you know, it would be a great boon to merchants on that street if there was a safe place to ride. So maybe we don't need six lanes uh, for cars <coughs> and parking. Maybe we can move one of those parking uh, sides of parking away. Are you talking on Coast Highway? Yeah, mm -hmm. and do what they call a road diet. And can you imagine if suddenly you could ride your bike on a 
protected path on beautiful coast highway past all the stores and cafes and they have what's called parklets where you take a single parking spot or two parking lots spots and you put a deck and chairs and planters and now suddenly you're riding down the street and uh, there's people drinking coffee right next to you a guy reading the paper and people are walking on i mean visualize what coast highway would be in you wouldn't, might not have to take any of the lanes out if you took the parking out. You just have to find another place to park. But like you said, hospitality night, somehow 10,000 people descend, descend on Forest Avenue and they all get there. And where do they park? How'd they get there? I usually park at the high school and walk down. Okay. <laughs> there you, why couldn't you park and walk? And you know what? This is the thing about Forest Avenue. It's a promenade. People, why, if you knew that that was a great place that you're going to spend an hour, you're going to meet your girlfriends, you're going to have lunch. Um, let's meet, let's meet at the plaza, the promenade. And there's, you know, parking. Would you walk from the high school? Uh, well, if I had to, I guess I would. That's I, you an know, awfully no. long way for no. using those legs that you were given, sure. Michelle. No. That's right. Like, it's like. All right. Wouldn't that be even better for us health-wise if we got in the habit of actually parking and walking a little bit? And then we might linger longer if our car's not right in front of us, which actually might benefit the merchants. That's true. That's yep. true. That's the kind of thinking that our generation needs to bring to this uh, town. I, you know, I, I'm I declaring love myself in and, your and generation now, even though I'm a few well, years older. That's great. And I love vision. And I think that it's it's always good to have a vision and work towards it, you know. Yep. And sometimes it can take a long time to get people on board with you. Yep. Um, you know, when I went to Berkeley, I rode my bike everywhere. I didn't even have a car. Heck you know? yeah. You know, great, all over great campus, biking but it's hard to p get people out of their cars. You know, you know, I mean, you know what would be great? If we had that bike path, that class one on Laguna Canyon Road, and it ran right through Elcad, and we started, started to get some young art students riding that, riding that causeway right down Laguna Canyon Road in a beautiful landscaped path, hugging the canyon. Boy, wouldn't that say to a motorist, I wish I was doing that right now. Boy, if they put a bike rental kiosk all the way out at El Toro somewhere, I would ditch the car and I'd ride along those beautiful co-eds, and I'd get into town, and I could cruise around in this Mediterranean climate and stop and have a, have a drink at a cafe. <laughs> I mean... It's utopia. What I'm saying is that, you know, bikers beget bikers, and that if you want to create a safe biking culture, you have to get people biking. And so not only do we need markings and paint, we need creative bike racks ubiquitous bike racks you can bolt these things onto parking meters now two little hoops metal hoops boom utilitarian you've got a, a parking spot or you can build bike corrals any of those? I feel like I've seen one. corona del mar okay. up and down the street okay and imagine this we have a, a tremendous fund uh for public art and we are saturated with public art if you ask me i think we need more public art and i think it should be bigger and more controversial and i think we should have a big piece down on main beach yeah <laughs> go for it yeah, that's contrary that to some of the artists well, and, and what about some artistic bike racks why couldn't they work I, we've got I, benches i think involving our artistic community anytime we can is you know i love that we have competitions to design pieces for di different parts of the city i mean i know this sounds silly but i know they've you know there's been talk about where the for the village entrance project the the tin roof the metal roofs back where they park the police cars and stuff you know some people want to save the old mm -hmm. sheds mm -hmm. um which i'm not in favor of but why not take all those pieces of metal and give them to the artists and have them make some cool sculptures and put them around the village entrance project or line cool. the canyon with it and you know i mean have a competition and give them the metal and have them design some art 
Yes. There, and then we're not getting rid of the, the sheds. We're actually re, um, reusing them. Reuse, recycle, reduce. Yes. The three principles of permaculture. Mm-hmm. What about water, drinking water, food production in this town? I mean, let's talk about um, resilience in the face of some supply interruption. You know, I'm passionate about this, being on the Transition Laguna Board. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Are we prepared as a city for supply interruptions, be it any number of problems, earthquake, fire, cyber terrorism, uh, ener- oil uh, collapse, uh, water shortage. What happens to this town? I would say absolutely no. I don't. I bet, what do you think, 90% is oh. not ready for a, a disaster or some right. kind of a terrorist attack? I mean, um, but they all have money, and so they'll just spend their way out of it. Well, that's free market, I guess. Free market. <laughs> money ain't going to be no good. When um, that, when the no, I think when there's the great we, collapse, it is something that we should be educating people about. I, I know um, there's a new religion, by the way. I heard about it's called collapsitarians. You know, instead of that Rastafarians. Sounds, that sounds um, enlightening and uplifting. It's <laughs> not really. I mean, but if you don't come at it as it, from a place of fear, but from a place of wisdom, like you know, Russia, they had a collapse. They know what it's like to have shortages of food. And they, they have some wisdom in how, you know, what happens in those situations. So I'm just saying um, it's not a popular subject, but we don't like to, you know, we're in the sun, we're swimming in the ocean, we're living the good life. And, you know, we don't want to instill fear in people, but we want to be smart and resilient like they are in some places north of here in the northwest, you know. That's why bicycles are important. What happens when we run out of gas? That's what happened in uh, the Netherlands. That's how they converted that city and that that country into such a bike friendly oh place. Oh my gosh, it's that's it. Amsterdam is. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I rode my bike all the way around Europe after college, and um, that was one of the places we went, and it was fantastic. It, it's amazing. It's a beautiful city. And they don't have a climate for it. Neither does Portland, Oregon, the number one biking city in America. We have the most delicious climate. Well, you've definitely started the dialogue, and people are more aware of this now, and that's how change starts. Is you know, you you just start with something, and you keep evolving with it. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it seems like there has there have been more accidents recently. Yep. Um, pedestrian accidents. You know, when I took my son to college in Texas, my daughter and I were in a crosswalk, and didn't realize that we don't have the right-of-way pedestrians don't have the right-of-way in texas and Mm. literally almost got run over by a truck that just didn't even slow down at all Mm -mm. and i i know i always wonder when people Uh, come here from other states yeah one of my opponents keeps accusing texans of the ones that should pay for the trolleys i don't know why he always says that but anyway um but people that come here from out of state and they're driving down the coast highway don't necessarily know that they're supposed to stop for pedestrians right. you know and that's what worries me the most it's not the residents it's the people that yeah. are from out of state and that's why i think the lighted crosswalks are yep. imperative Big improvement. and we need to have more I, I i have christened um coast highway from uh downtown to diamond uh, death row because every day is a harrowing experience and i just want to say to people because i'm guilty of it too texting whether you're walking across the street or you're in your car, it's not worth it. If you think of the consequences, I mean, they still haven't released the name of the kid who killed John Colvin, the cyclist, back in June at Emerald Bay. But what I'm told is that he's from Emerald Bay, from a prominent family, hence the silence 
um, but that he was texting, which we all assume. And um, his life is over. I mean, you know, he's going to live with this for the rest of his life mm -hmm. because he couldn't resist the urge to tap out a few characters. And man, I, I have to catch myself all the time. You know, it can wait. Yeah. And lives are being lost on this. And uh, it is terrifying. And this is, you know, question of what we do for, for safety and whether we take back, uh, you know, my man Sam, he wants to raise all the money everywhere we can. And he just wants to take those roads away from Caltrans and buy them ourselves. And then we can do what we want and put them on a road diet and shrink them down. But at the very least, couldn't we go to Caltrans and say, would you please install those little bumpers, those rumble strips on the sides, on the shoulders of the road, so that when a car starts to cross over it, they're going to realize they're starting to go into the shoulder. That might have saved John Colvin's life. That might have saved the kid's life on Sunday. Simple fixes that, you know, don't take a lot of money or even a lot of genius. So. Yeah, and unfortunately it's going to take people getting killed to bring this to light, you know. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it's tragic. that has to happen. It's tragic. These are, these are people, real people, real Lagoonans. Deborah Deem, who died a year ago um, at Newport Coast, you know, her husband came and spoke when we did our little bike rally, and he said, Laguna Beach, downtown Laguna, is a theme park, and you have to acknowledge that Walt Disney is a theme park, Disneyland, and when you they would never let you drive 40 miles an hour through there. You go 15. Why? Because you're taking in the sights. There's so much to see in Laguna. There's so much eye candy on those streets. Why are we allowing ca cars to go in excess of... It's a minefield driving through town in the summer right. because people are stopping to look to see if that's a parking place or might where they don't know where they're going and they're trying to make illegal turns and you know and they're opening their car doors and people are trying to cross the highway and it's you know you have I have with my daughter you know practiced a lot with her this summer driving because she got her license in September and you know made her aware of all those things that are going on because it's right. it's not a normal place to drive it's like what you're saying right and and just imagine a future if we're really forward thinking since you're going to be around perhaps a few years longer than many of the current council people no offense but just a generation thing thinking of the future with all of our problems seemingly to emanate from the endless stream of cars in and out imagine a laguna where there was periphery parking on the north and south ends, as you said, maybe mm -hmm. at Pavilions, maybe at Mission Hospital, maybe at Aliso uh, Creek, the park across the parking yeah. across the street from the beach. Maybe we can double deck that. Mm -hmm. It's not in anybody's view corridor. And then you're running trolleys, trams, what have you, bike rental kiosks you're on Laguna Canyon Road. You get the developers out at the Great Park Five Points. You get the Irvine Company to creatively fund real periphery parking out there, and they pitch in for the transit because that becomes a perk of living in those homes. Oh, you get automatic express service to Laguna Beach. That's your connection, Beach City. And now we run them right through the canyon. Maybe it's a light rail system or maybe it's just a, a you know, a, a bus, an express bus. And they get out in this delightful town. What do they see downtown? Car free. You sit at a cafe. You don't see grills. You see planners. You see people, people on their bikes, people on their skateboards people on their electric bikes, people on foot. That, to me, is a cosmic city of the future. Well, I mean, <laughs> it sounds great. It just, you know, getting from point A to point sure, B is, sure. is, you know. Well, that's your job. I just, I just come up with, um, I create. I, Thank I you. That's, with, that's, but that's I mean, no small task. No small <laughs> task, but I think it's going to take very strong council people who aren't afraid to be disliked 
and be controversial and, and have a giant set of um, cajones to say, I don't want to wait around for 80% or 75% of the people to vote on everything. I have a big vision. I'm going to develop the support. We're going to test these things. We're going to find money, um, even if we have to borrow it or issue bonds or whatever, because we can pay for it, um, to make the kind of changes that are necessary in a 21st century city. I want the heritage of Laguna intact. I want all the historic buildings, the charm. I support all that low, uh, you know, story, story uh, height uh, restrictions, as well as no neon and all that stuff. And, our, and I love our, our policy of no chain stores, even though it's sometimes it gets a little porous. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that we can't eliminate cars as an outmoded means of transportation for us to get around. And I'm also going to suggest one more thing, and that is a light rail that takes us from downtown Laguna to Irvine train station. Like every major coastal city in Europe has a connector and artery. Where would you put that? Well, you'd have to cut into the canyon. Maybe, you know, maybe you give up the uh, that third lane and you just keep the two lanes, a bike lane and, uh, and, a tr and a light rail. You know, you have to cut into a little bit, but think of what that does from a safety standpoint. Now we can actually get out of town when, when the automobile fails, when the oil is gone. I think the problem is, though, that our whole rail system in Southern California is so unuser friendly. I mean, you, there's not that many places you can get, you know, I mean, so we get out to Irvine. Then where do you go? Then you go Irvine to Anaheim, Anaheim Express to San Francisco oh. on the bullet train, oh, Los Angeles. God, don't say the bullet train. Well, OK. Oh. Am I Neil Kashgarian <laughs> here? Anyway, you, these are, are th you in favor of the bullet train? Um, do you really think that's gonna? I mean, think about how much. I don't support cost. a train that goes to Las Vegas, but I do support a train that would go from L.A. to San Francisco because of the jobs it would create and because we've got to get people out of cars. And I think that. Uh, well, I think you know you're sticking to your principle, and that's get people out of the cars. But I think that you know the, the cost of that train for the amount of what we're going to get is. I mean, we could spend that money on so many other things. But what other a, things? Oh well. Billions and billions, right? Isn't that what it's going to cost? Yep. And you know it's not going to be what they say it's going to cost. It's right. going to cost three times as much. So See, now you are talking things out of your district. <laughs> yep. Um, well, Michelle, I'm, I really appreciated the time. We have you. run over, and oh. um, but it was riveting. It was riveting. Yes. I really enjoyed getting to spend some time with Thank you. you. Well, and now I you're hearing you some of... Thank you for having me on. And, yeah. And look, I, really, I look forward to working with you and... You know, keeping an open dialogue. We don't always have to necessarily agree on everything. Nope. But that's nope. that's why I say I don't always like to talk to people that agree with me. You don't grow when you do that. You right. know, you stay stagnant. So challenging each other is always good. Absolutely. And, you know, what's good about this city is people are involved and they are smart and they speak up. And it can be very polarizing, which gives us something to talk about. It's good cafe chatter. And uh, as long as it doesn't get mean-spirited yes. and name-calling and pernicious and mendacious when the people start to lie, you know, that's when it gets ugly. And I'm not just talking about candidates fluffing their resume, which I can consider. Uh, I just want to say it right now in front of you because a lot of people aren't speaking out. There's still a lot of supporters out there. And to me, the mic should be pulled. That's just, the, I mean, num credibility, number one is truth-telling. So, um, but, but even at the level of advocacy or advocates or opponents, when it gets so mean-spirited and mudslinging, it becomes very unenjoyable and it's an energy suck and it's toxic. And as long as we can keep a, 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 a you know, a civilized dialogue right. and not devolve into dirty tactics and name-calling and all that stuff. I wrote 
wrote an article a long time ago when I had that little column called The Swinging of the Pendulum. And it's necessary for, you know, the, the pendulum swings back and forth, and there's left and there's right until it finally comes to the center. And that's what I think we do in this town with dialogue, with ideas, is that, you know, it's necessary to have it go back and forth until we find yeah. that center ground. And I've never found this city really polarized or hung up on party affiliation. I mean, no. I, I can barely distinguish the differences on, of the five city council members. And on any one issue, you know, you cannot point to party lines, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Well, Michelle Hall, I Thank wish you, you tons of luck. I haven't even given the station a plug, which is KX 93.5, the little station that could. Oh, and um, you've been listening to City Council candidate Michelle Hall give us a 90 minutes, ooh, a new record since we didn't have Kelly Boyd on tonight. Kelly uh, had to be excused, but that's okay. And this wraps up our City Council series of interviews. So uh, I'm going to be gone for a few uh, weeks, and I'll be back uh, with some more interviews. Did you already vote absentee, I hope? I'm sending it in tomorrow. Okay, good. Yep. <laughs> That's it for the this part of the show. I'm coming right back after a commercial break. Stay tuned. You're listening to KX93.5 Laguna's only FM. KXRNLP Laguna Niguel, Laguna, Laguna Beach, KX93.5. KX93.